Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking to you live with an episode of the Beckons of the Herald, a seal campaign with the adventure. The Herald and the quest, the present. The party in the last few episodes have made their way far to the south, though not all the way south yet, on their mighty trek to the lands in the south, trying to get to the kingdom of Tihalon to get to Kalkui so that they can find the king so that he may, may restore to his position and save what chance they have as a military unit to go take on the tower, the Sundering Spire, the super awful place where that Herald of Steel done be dwelling. So, on their way down to the south, the party have run into a number of issues, but they have found many violent solutions along the way, including smiting some zombies, uh, sending a bunch of dwarves off to Dwarf Noble, um, and then, uh, yeah, basically vaporizing an entire warband of gnolls using unholy might. Uh, the party are able to destroy the foes of the Fort Riverwind uh, after speaking with the uh, Castellan over there at Fort Riverwind. The party are able to, at this point, uh, sort of assure themselves that they are good friends of Tagora, who just so happens to be good friends, if not the brothers, with the warlord Helgara, uh, lord of Shockley, city to the south, sort of the in-between point between Kalqui and where the party are right now. And so, our party, at this point in time, have had quite a good bout of uh, celebration in their current standing at the uh, Fort Riverwind after having uh, taken back quite a bunch of pilfered wares and wealth from those smelly old gnolls. So I suppose we start off now with the uh, question of what the party would like to do. Um, I know that the party were sitting here at the castle. Uh, they had arrived again in the dead of evening after having... Uh, earned quite a title for themselves. So I suppose the question is now what the party would like to do. So we're still at Fort Riverwind? Indeed. If we're going to be keep moving south, we're going to go to his brother's kingdom. I think we need to know more. I'm, I'm kind of skeptical when he's like, hey, this brother have great relationships. <laughs> you, you wonder how true that is. So I think any more info before we head out there would be nice. Okay. So in that case, um, he would definitely be very well and able to give you pretty much any information you guys need about uh, your 
trip down there and all the locations you'll be passing along the way. The first thing that I suppose he'll tell you is that his brother is, uh, which is kind of funny, but his brother is a little bit less warm and welcoming than himself, which he himself has not exactly been a very warm and welcoming individual. He tells you that his brother's city, the uh, Shockley there, is a place of very proud and honorable warriors. Um, it is a militarized state, so they don't take very kindly to outsiders unless they're outsiders who respect um, the place that they're entering. Um, it's certainly not going to be the kind of place where you guys can flaunt and flex your uh, your positions and whatnot and be very well respected. Um, beyond that, he mentions that on your travels of the South, you'll likely pass through the town of Greymarsh. Uh, Gray Marsh is, again, sort of an isolated community of traders that's sprung up on the in-between between these two settlements. Um, but it is going to be, if you can imagine, within the marshes to the south. But he informs you as well that the lady who's in charge of that place, uh, Elaine Fenfellow, is a nice enough person. Um, last he's heard, however, uh, with the knolls and all that stuff going on, um, it's been pretty tough living out there. And a lot of people have taken to, uh, I don't want to say this, scouring the marshes looking for food and for things to trade. Uh, unfortunately, it has not worked out very well for them. So it's a place that's not doing great. I think that's a pretty good idea of what you guys are going to be marching into there. Well, I know I can bring the water. <laughs> so hopefully that'll be good. And the peace offering. Okay. Uh, so peace offering is water. At least to the um the smaller town on the way, we actually get to yeah, the, Great Marsh. Yeah, we actually get to the actual city, and I'm not too sure because he's still yeah he's not super like into his title yet. <laughs> it does deserve to be stated also that um. Gray Marsh, I mean, uh, Shockley is on the southern coast and it's on uh, under the sea. Um, it's nestled on a river, so if you can't follow the road, following the river will be just as good for you. Cool. So, with all this in mind, what would the party like to do? I guess Norhill's just going to check over all of our traveling gear, make sure the horses are well rested. Good to go, you know, check all the buckles and straps and everything. Make sure we have whatever food, traveling supplies we need. Sure. Okay. Um, and the people have been very gracious uh, and grateful, rather, uh, for what you guys have done for them here. So you guys are given some gifts before you leave, uh, which I suppose in your case, none of you really need these kinds of gifts, but they still offer you guys food for the road, uh, including many more rations for your travels, um, as well as a few people have tended to the horses, having taken care of their uh, their hooves and whatnot and brushing their coats for you as you guys uh, got your last bit of rest. Excellent. We have a horse for uh... Ashma. We have a horse, yeah. No, she was uh, riding on, um, I can't remember who's, oh yeah, uh, Anton's. So sure, There's definitely enough room for everybody, I'm sure. Um, so if you guys would like to, I mean, she can definitely, we can purchase a horse, but uh, luckily for you guys, they would be more than willing to gift you guys a horse uh, for all that you've done for them here. Um, all right, yeah. No, Norhill is willing to graciously accept the gift of a steed for our guide. Okay. So Ashma herself is 
Uh, very grateful and thanks you guys. And again, compliments you for what you had done before for the city, um, suggesting that she was definitely mistaken when she met you initially and thinks that you guys have all proven that you definitely care a lot more than she would have assumed for snotty travelers from the north, especially ones of a high status. But she agrees that it's probably better off to leave now and get there at a, uh, at a better time. But it looks like, uh, if I'm reading my trusty handy-dandy map correctly, she says that you guys are going to be on basically a two-day journey in order to get there. So it doesn't look like um, you guys are going to be able to get there in just one day. So she says that you guys will end up in the plains. Uh, you'll still be on the road. Um just to keep that in mind, I suppose. All right. I don't suppose there's anything that can be done to help that. So, She says that there are some small settlements along the way, like some little hamlets and whatnot that are set up, a couple of little roadhouse kind of situations. But she says in most cases, those places are likely the first targets of the knolls. And it seems likely that if those things aren't ruined at this point, they're pretty well abandoned. So if you guys would like to take your chances, you can try to stop by some of these locations. Oh, even if they're empty, shelter is shelter. And maybe uh, if there's any remnants of the knolls, it'd be good to clear them out so that no one else has to worry about it. We're just exterminators at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Good old knoll exterminators. We're knoll exterminators. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to. Um, okay. So, uh, in that case, if the party are ready to, I suppose we can make our travel down that road, uh, stopping at one of the first trade points that she would know of that would be worth stopping at. Please, you can find that dude who just freaked out on her when we were outside the city gates, just to let him know that all the gnolls are gone now. <laughs> Very well. Doesn't have to watch anyone else get eaten directly in front of him. Very good. The party uh, hop back on horses and look for this strange man with which to, uh, I don't even know what to call that, uh, to to sneer and jeer at. Um, they can't find him, and unfortunately, Ashma says, we should probably get going and not spend our time looking for weird guys. Um, the party, made up of weird guys, all checks out. Uh, agree to leave. What'd you say? <laughs> I'll check out. Just, hey, I'm sure he's in a town square somewhere looking at his bloody hands screaming, but... We probably can't find him. Good. Okay, so at this point, uh, everybody hops on horses, and the weather, again, moving farther south here, uh, it seems to be quite warm, if not past 70s into 80s, uh, but the sun begins to beat down pretty well, and the dryness of the air is pretty rough. Um, but as the party travel, it doesn't seem like you guys run into any sort of incidents along the way. One thing you notice is that the land is just so painfully flat out here, that you guys are used to a little bit more texture to the landscape that you're from. Making your way this way is kind of an interesting change of pace. Uh, again, moving through sort of natural sandy landscapes, uh, ones reminiscent of uh, the uh, Avian lands in Oscabellum. Um, you guys uh, are probably given a couple memories of cracking open warm ones, as you see rabbits and small game skittering by and some of the plants that are more well suited to survive in low water conditions doing well out here by about 
nightfall when the sun is beginning to set and you can see the various paint on the horizon, uh, all the different colors of a sunset beginning to form here. Um, Ashma points off into the distance a couple miles away where you guys can see a couple of little freckled points upon the map, uh, or yeah, the map <laughs> on the horizon where you can see some buildings formed. Uh, she points down there and she says, there's a couple of homes down there. There's an old tavern. It's something of a, a trade post nowadays, but I'm guessing it's abandoned if we don't see any lights down there. If the party would like to, you guys could try to roll an investigation check to try to see from afar to get a better viewpoint. Four. Looks good to Norhill. Uh, 17 for Jurassic. I think I got an 11. Anting well. got a 5. <laughs> Okay, well, so Jarzak, uh, I guess, has the sharpest and most acute vision here as he stares off into the distance, uh, everybody else looking and seeing the place looking relatively abandoned. Jarzak, however, can see in the distance a strange post with something dangling from it. Um, it's rather ominous, but it looks to be something of like a rectangular shape. So it doesn't necessarily look like somebody's just hanging there from a post or something like that. But the way that it's moving seems like it's moving in the wind. Uh, as Jarzak continues to focus, he can see a couple of people meandering around below it, and they seem to be, like, reaching up and poking at it. Uh, apart from that, you don't see much of anything else. Okay. What would you all like to do? Jarzak, well, tell us what he saw? That's a good question. Did Jarzak say what he saw? Sure. I... I never know with Jarzak. I'm pretty sure none of us have ever seen or heard about cryptids, but Jarzak has seen them, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll let them know. Suddenly, a chupacabra appears. Okay, so, uh, with Jarzak having told them that he sees this strange sight, what would the party like to do? I suppose we ought to get a closer look. I mean, what's the worst that could happen, right? We kill it, and we get more enemies. Anton, you've been kind of in a mood, huh? <laughs> I just, just... The Herald of Steel already has so much death in his wake. We'll match numbers soon enough. That's worrisome. I, 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 don't, I don't think we're gonna be close to matching him anytime soon. Well, if we defeat him, we defeat his armies. Therefore, well, yeah. Just... Akma just gives a very strange glare. It's just a very odd... Path. I never saw myself going down this kind of path. Is it the heat? Do you think it's the heat that gets him like this? No, like, he likes the sunlight. Maybe it's like too much of a. It's overexposure. Um, it just shakes his head. He's like, no, it's <laughs> the weight of everything, Lika. There's a weight to it. Sometimes it's heavier, some days than others. So that Ashma solemnly. I was gonna say Ashma sees this uh, interesting discussion going on here and looks back and forth amongst everybody and says, I think anyone who's lived an interesting life or lived a life worth note is one who has lived a life with some regrets. But you can't let those things that you've done hold you back. You have to understand that we all have our own skeletons in our closets whatever a closet may be. Um, and a time before closets, when the sun set in the south. Um, but she says, in order to live the life that we live, we're going to have to do things for survival. And I think if I 
I've heard enough of your stories and heard what you've told others. It sounds like you've done things for other people's survival, which itself seems like the noblest of causes. You have my truest respect and gratitude for all you've done, but I don't suppose now is the time to be concerned with such things. And so mm-hmm. she turns back towards the tavern down there on the uh, on the plains. And besides, we don't yet know if these people are actually unfriendly. Would that, would the party like to approach or not? No, hell, at least, well. Oh, boy. Anton will watch Ashma, for the <laughs> I was going to say, Ashma agrees to come with Norhill, if Norhill's the only one to go down there. I think it's always ready. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, Jarzak would just follow. Okay, so Anton's all by himself out there. In the yeah, he'll just keep an eye on everything. Uh, <laughs> let's take it one one. One encounter at a time. He's also like wondering if the gnolls will come after them. <laughs> so keeping an eye out. Okay. So you are coming with them, correct? You're not just gonna be out here as gnoll bait. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow them. Just I'm I'm not gonna I'm just gonna see what everyone else is doing. <laughs> Very good. No fireball on dragon back here. Um, so as the uh, party go marching down and getting much closer, once you guys get a few hundred feet away, it becomes very apparent that the buildings here do look like they've been roughed up a little bit with a few broken windows in the distance that you can see. But the most important site that you guys can take in at this point is that there is indeed an old pole out here where it seems like a flag may have flown at one point, but instead hanging from it haphazardly appears to be something of a metal cage, perhaps a hunter's sort of like hunting, like like a trapping cage right and stuffed within it seems to be a person this person seems to be just sort of hanging in there uh and swaying every once in a while in the breeze um at the base you guys don't see anybody anymore um and it doesn't seem like you see any people at all coming this way so what would you like to do now um is this kind of pillory like common or a known practice um not really and the fact that it's ramshackled on kind of diagonally looks like they just hooked it on where they could fit it and it looks like this is something that they put up a few days ago and it doesn't seem like the kind of thing anybody would normally do here norhill is going to call out hello is anyone there so nobody seems to answer and finally you hear moaning and groaning from inside the cage Again, it is like 100, 150, 200 feet away from you guys at this point. But you can hear somebody in the distance just kind of like moaning and murmuring out. And finally they yell, help me! Uh, Norhill's going to ride up to the cage. Okay. So, as you continue riding up there, you can see, uh, as you get about 50 or so feet away from the pole, um, a group of... Uh, cloth-wrapped individuals come bursting out of the doorways of all of the little buildings out here, four of them in total, one of them being the largest, the seemingly the tavern, as it were. Um, and as they come bursting out, it seems like in total there's probably about 16 of them. Most of them seem to be brandishing crossbows aimed in your general direction, though a few of them seem to be armed with halberds and spears. Um, they pop out at odd ends here at all these different doorways, but they have all their crossbows aimed at you. And one of them shouts out and says, what is your business here, traveler? We come seeking shelter from our travels. 
The one that they say, there's no shelter here. The breeze is closed. Get lost. Well, it's that guy in a cage. And somebody else yells out, mind your business. Click mm, would like a better answer than that. One of the other guys sort of uh, chuffs at it a little bit and he says, this guy didn't know when to shut up. So now he's in his own bit of prison. <laughs> Paying his price. The man in the cage kind of grumbles a little bit and he says, please help me. Finally, the guy who spoke initially, lowering his crossbow sights back onto the party, he aims it again towards Norhill and he says, I'm going to give you all the count of ten to leave here before I start firing. And I promise you, we don't miss. It just seems like it's not a good look for you guys that he's asking for help and none of you will tell us what he did besides talk too much. My guy starts counting. One. Oh, boy. Two. You know, we came in peace, and I warn you, you do not want any of what we are capable of. You want to roll me an intimidate? Absolutely. I'm proficient in intimidation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sixteen. Okay. So that he spits to the ground and he says, shut your mouth, dwarf. We've seen your type and we've scalped plenty of them. Get moving. I would be inclined. Were you, uh, were you gentlemen, something other than common bandits, so far as I can tell. So with that, they start chuckling amongst themselves. And he says, common bandits? Yeah, perhaps. We're armed to the teeth. And we might just be looking to pilfer whatever it is you've got. And you can see a couple more people come moseying out of like the second story windows, leaning out with their crossbows as well. They say, turns out we found a good spot here, and we don't need people like you telling us what to do. So why don't you heed the warning as I continue? Eat. In a seven. time of war, this place could serve as a safe refuge for those fleeing the violence. At this point, as all of them begin to hold the crossbows up to an aimed position, it doesn't look like they're hearing what you're selling. So you've how, far, about uh, a, how, far, how far away are they? From you? Yeah. It would say I would say you're about 50 feet from the pole, so they're about 30 feet from the pole. So you're about 80 feet from about half of all the crossbows. Imagine if Norhill died because they all just really rolled high and they just <laughs> like, you just get Swiss cheesed by a whole bunch of crossbows. Just good old bandit bozos on the road. As far as I know, and Norhill is going to try to subtly check and see whether his party has back in this situation. I mean, Clico is going to say, Norhill, do you want to go low and Clico and Jarzak will go high, or do you want to go high and Clico and Jarzak will go low? We are mounted on warhorses. Uh, I'm not sure how much lower Norhill could get. It was just I will say that. The way that everybody had pitched this originally is it was just Norhill trotting up there. So I will say I that if the I entire party went with them, no, yeah, you guys got to the ha to closer to it. So I suppose if we would just, I'm just saying, if we're assuming everybody went up there, it will change how things move forward. But I assumed it was just kind of him going up there to go check on it even closer than everybody else. But if everybody's going up all together, that's fine. And it's still far away. I just know that one spell I got, I have good reach with it. So if I have to 
jump into action. That one spelled me fireball. I could no, I was just gonna do the wall of fire, make it a wall of ice, intimidate. Yeah, uh, Norhill <laughs> is going to hunker down behind his shield uh, with the dodge action, but otherwise hold his ground. Okay. Um, so why don't we put it this way? Cast scatter to just teleport all of us to them. So <laughs> that's why she was asking. <laughs> like, Clicko's going to take the upper level with Jarzak and have Norhill take the lower level or vice versa. Okay, yeah. So if Norhill knows that that's what Clicko would have been planning, uh, Norhill will say, all right, over under. So, okay. Very well. So then why don't we say this much, just for the sake of the potential of you guys losing the initiative here. There's two distances, I'll say. There's the Norhill distance, which is about 50 feet from the pole, 30 feet from that pole to the people there. So 80 feet away in total. And the second distance will be like the Anton distance, which is about 100 feet from the pole, okay? Which is about 130 feet from everybody else. So there's like the close and then the farther away. So is Klika with Norhill up close or is Klika far away? Klika would be up close. She was okay. What about Jarzak? Yeah, Klika went with Norhill and yeah. Jarzak followed them, so I would probably be pretty close too. Okay, so then Ashmel will stay back with Anton. Okay, so in that case, as they hear you say the over under part, all of a sudden you hear crossbows let fly. So let's roll for initiative. Oh boy, can I get a good initiative this time? Eh. I got 20, 14, also 14, 18. Eight. <laughs> Flat D20 here. Well, no, got a seven on the 14 roll off. I got a five if we're just rolling oh, so... flat 20s. Oh, so Norhill's high 14. Excellent. Okay. Um, oh, and Ashma got a 10. So, um, in that case, the bandits will let fly first. Oh, and no. this is not going to be good but i don't think these guys particularly care so all of these crossbows that were trained on everybody in the close range including klika and jarzak are just going to start firing off and when i tell you there's a lot that's about five bolts for each of you uh well they have disadvantage of, uh, against norhill so why are they at disadvantage because you use dodge yeah because i i specifically called out that i was taking the dodge action okay so in that case, I'm going to roll now at disadvantage for some of them. By some of them, I mean all of them. Um, okay, so what's your armor class? Uh, 21. Okay, so one of them hits. I had a crit initially, and then I rolled lower. And then for the second one, okay, second one does not hit with an 18. Then the next one, it does not hit with a 20. The next one might be a hit. Let's see. Nope, no hit with an 11. And last, it is not a hit with another one. Okay. So, with the crossbow drawn, fired in, you take eight points of piercing damage as it fires in upon you. All right, so that's five points of damage. Okay. And now, five of them in on Jarzak. What's Jarzak's armor class? 21. Okay. So, with 21, only one of them hits you. You also... That's just terrifying to just stand there and get shot at and just have to, like, take it. Um, you take five points of piercing damage. And lastly is Klinka 
was your number class again? 34? Yeah, 21. Unless one of them hits me and then it'll be 26. What? 21 for now. Okay. Uh, first one's a miss. Second one's a miss. Third one is a hit. Alright, I'll cast shield to bring my AC up to 26. Does it still hit? No, it does not. And it stays 26 for the rest of the round? Yeah. Uh, so checking for crits. No crits. So that is it for all those. Um, beyond that, the five remaining people who had spears and halberds uh, sprint in your direction, double moving a total of 60 feet, uh, coming close, but no cigar, about 20 feet away from you guys on your horses, all five of them. Um, yeah, very well. So now it goes to next in the initiative, Anton. Anson was going to actually try to summon like a wall of fire, but as a wall of ice between the two groups. Isn't wall of ice an actual spell? Is it? Yes, uh, but it functions differently from wall of fire. So it would be like wall of cold with Anton's energy swapping ability. That's exactly what I was thinking. So it would function the sort of same way. Except for the illumination part. Kind of terrifying. Just be like liquid nitrogen fumes just in a <laughs> in a in a wall. Yeah, just wafting off to kill everybody. Oh god. That's rather terrifying. Yeah. So Okay. So you want to read off some of those effects and how you're gonna do it? So I'm just gonna read it off. Create wall of fire. Well, fire for now. 60 feet long, 20 feet high, 1 foot thick, nice. 20 feet in diameter, 20 feet high, or a ringed wall, and we're just doing a flat yep. wall. It's opaque. It lasts for a minute. Um, Every creature, when the wall appears, each creature within its area must make a deck saving throw. Oh, so that can actually fuck you guys up. Sure, if you did it on them, but you could also do it at like the buildings where those guys popped out and just do a wall in front of the buildings. It's also opaque, so they wouldn't be able to shoot again. Yeah, let's do that. Because if any, anyone within its range, they have to make a deck saving throw or they take 5d8 fire damage. 5d8? Yeah. Yeah, and that's if they start their turn there or immediately? That's when the wall appears, each creature within its area must make a deck saving throw. And its area is 120 feet. Jesus Christ. What? Okay, so we'll say that you're able to cover, well, the range is 120, right? And then it's 60 yeah, feet well, long. Yeah, well, it says range area. Yeah, the range is 120 because you just launch it to that spot and it spreads 60, right? Yeah. Just making sure. I don't. I mean, I'm guessing everybody else. I guess agree with that. I'm reading yeah, this right. That's it's right. Kinda... Yeah. So you create the wall at a yep. spot you can see within 120 feet, and then the wall itself is 60 feet long. Correct. When it appears, creatures take damage, and then if I remember wall of fire correctly, you pick a side of the wall, and it radiates damage outward from that side. Yep. It doesn't say the side. So that case. It, yeah, I was going to say, because you can just plant it like directly at the tavern so it's blowing back into the windows where those guys are all firing from, and it could blow back since it reaches 60 feet across like the two smaller buildings beside it. So you wouldn't get all of it, but you would sure get the majority of it, and it would blow yeah, all that cold air towards them. Let's do it. Well, 
you know, why do we bother rolling initiative when we can just end the combat real quick like that? <laughs> um, okay. So in that case, uh, do I have to roll saving throws or do I immediately just get smacked uh, in the face with it? You've got to do a deck saving throw. You have to be a 16. You know, actually, can you roll the damage first? Because I have a feeling they're going to die immediately anyway. Oh. I just want to make uh, sure I've got this one. Uh, I got damage of 29. <laughs> yeah, so even cut in half, you managed to wipe out out of like the 20 or so that are totally there, the five of them that cross the gap and are just about in melee contact with everybody in the close area. Um, of the people in the back, like the 15 or so that were left, and hanging out, there's probably three or four of them that were not immediately in the facing of the cold. So Anton just rips a hole through space and time directly in front of this, and a wall of fire pops up for a second before, like, sublimation takes over, and it just reverses to just raw, utter coldness. Um, and you hear people screaming in agony as you can hear the sizzling and popping and blistering and cracking of wood and bone and skin as people die a very painful and swift, frosty death. No! Um, fuck. I mean, uh, yeah. God damn it. Oh, I, gotta really I don't want any violence. I don't want to kill people. <laughs> I was thinking Just of opens the refrigerator guys. of hell upon them. Very well. So even Ashma has a moment where she gasps in terror at this sight to behold. Um, oh, fuck. I feel like we've just been fighting really strong people that Anton really hasn't had any like good chances, and now he's like wiping the floor and things and freaking them out. Yeah, all of a sudden, I throw... You guys enter a new area where you guys aren't like leveled appropriately for it, and you just come in and just absolutely dominate, like slamming, and destroying people. These are just bandits. Like They're just literally guys with crossbows that are like, hee hee hee, you'll never take like us. Anton shows up and freezes them to death. <laughs> like, go to fuck to bed. I feel like every so, other um, he's totally like, doesn't understand. I feel like every other fight, he's got his ass kicked. It didn't last, or he's against really tough opponents, so now he's kind of like, oh, fuck. Oh, he's a bully now. Um, okay, so now, um, is that it for Anton? Did you want to just stand yeah, there and, uh, take in the sight? Yeah, I try to contemplate a lot. I try to contemplate. I think for a second. Um, okay, well, next would be Norhill. Uh, before you are five armed uh uh what's it called pull arm armed people as they stand before you uh 20 feet away all right um so norhill is going to climb down from his horse uh and you know send it away to a safe distance uh and heft the hook hammer and say i warned you that you didn't want a taste of what we were capable of uh as he goes to charge them Okay. Uh, let's see. So Norhill is going to. Hmm. Norhill's just going to run up. Um, okay. And start attacking. Okay. Uh, no attacks of opportunity from the full arms. None of them have sentinel or anything. No, none of them have sentinel, Anthony. Okay. These yeah, are that's... bandits who are starving and wanted to take your money. That's dangerous. Uh, so yeah, Norhill's gonna come running up and start cracking one uh, with the hammer side. Okay. 
Uh, that is going to be a 15 to hit. That's good. Uh, for 18 points of magical bludgeoning and lightning damage, that is non-lethal. Yeah, you absolutely crack this guy's knee in, and he falls to the ground, blacked out from the agony of it. All right. Uh, second attack. There's still four guys within reach. Yeah, there sure are. Are you proud, Norhill? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a 19 on the die, so a 28. I think you got him. This guy had his reaction. He parries, and he's ready to fucking rock. Uh, 15 points of magical bludgeoning and lightning damage. That is non-lethal. So you managed to smack another one with the with the short side of it, and the guy falls to the ground unconscious with a... Oh. Okay. Uh, third attack. Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you just spinning a circle over there? You're like, I warned uh, you. Okay, this one might actually miss. That's going to be a 13 to hit. 13 is not good enough. All right. Uh, Norhill is going to... Do I get three more attacks if I action surge? Yeah, you sure could. All right, awesome. I'm going to action surge for three more attacks. You're a madman. I have to be uh, for a 24 to hit. You know, the fact you know this combat's going to be over is kind of funny to me. But is it going to be over? Am I just getting all you guys to just burn spells and then, you know? 14 to hit? Yeah, 14's good. Uh, no, sorry, no, not 14 to hit, 14 damage. Yeah, 14 is good to knock him out. Still and 14 is also good to hit. So, non lethal, yeah. And this is the last guy? Uh, there's two left. Okay, there's two left. Uh, so, mm -hmm. the second attack is a 13, so that's going to be a miss. Okay. Uh, and the last attack is going to be a dirty 20. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, I'm going to burn a superiority die to make this last one of a screen attack. Right. Oh, of course you did. You're like, I will not be mocked by this one guy standing here. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Ten points of magical bludgeoning and lightning damage on the main guy. Okay. And nine sweeping attack damage on the second. So they are both heartily wounded, but not dead. Or uh, knocked out, rather. Okay. Well, that's right, uh, horrifying. It's my turn. It sure is. Um, now it goes to Kleeka, and you see Norhill having uh, spun around like the Tasmanian devil, taking out four, uh, I mean, uh, three of the five that are there, leaving two of them heartily wounded and on the verge of falling down. Um, there are three men left screaming on the other sides of the tavern, uh, screaming for help and screaming uh, that they're not here to fight anymore and they would like to be set free. They're begging for mercy, I guess, is uh, the common tongues version of this. What would Kleeka like to do? Uh, <laughs> I mean, how much fight do the two guys that are still standing have left in them? About five total hit points between the two of them. But like, if I uh, had to put a number to are it, are they doing the Skyrim Bandit thing where they say, "Oh no, I yield," and then they, as soon as you stop attacking them and go away, they come in over and try and attack you again? I mean, they just had the fear of God put in them as they saw somebody open up the freezer on the buildings behind them, and the only reason why they were spared from a cold and deathly little uh, embrace there is because they ran forward, but then Norhill came clobber stomping. They don't look like they're going to try to pull any jack moves, because they know that even, like, the littlest of your attacks would probably send them to the ninth ring of hell, so... 
Right, all right. Google. I'm is... sure banditry is going to send you all the way to Asmodeus or something, but no, you guys will. That's the <laughs> okay. point. Hit him so hard. <laughs> First class Lock ticket to the straight down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Click will just, you know, trot around on Shalt. Yes, she's she's not really gonna fight anymore. Very well. Um. So next would be Ashma, and Ashma also stands back, and she just exclaims to Anton, who's standing back there with her. Uh, she turns to Anton and she says, "I, I don't know." She says, "The Knolls were one thing, but this feels so cruel." And she just kind of shakes it off, and she says. I, they yield. And she just kind of stands where she is on horseback. Uh, next would be Jarzak. Jarzak's going to finish off the ones that are in front of Raw Hill. Someone yeah. tells me you're not going for non-lethal damage. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going for extra lethal damage. They were willing to take us out. They'll do it to others. Very well. Well, they're 20 feet away from you. Okay, I will use um Do I hex one of them too or no? <laughs> I don't think you should kill them at all, but you know. Do what your character would do. Don't make Anton look like the bad guy here. Somebody else has to at least kill one of them so it doesn't look like Anton's just the evil one in the party. Yira's gonna, she's gonna rescind all of her magical power she allots you for prayer. She's gonna be like, you know what? Anton, it was good, you know? Thanks for bringing water back to Ascabellum and all that. That was pretty sweet, but, uh... The whole of genocide. Domoro's <laughs> luck and walk on up. Oh, no. <laughs> now, what could go wrong? Oh. 15 to hit. That's good. 10 damage. He said 10. Yeah, you kill one of them by bludgeoning them across the head. And I'll go in on the other. Don't crit. Ugh, I was close. Uh, 28 to hit. Oh, God. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you hit him. Uh, 11 damage. Very well. So you managed to level that guy to the ground as well with a hefty, uh, hefty uh, bludgeoning. Um, again, the only ones left are a group of three of them that seem to be trying to jump out of the windows of her frozen building right now, uh, for fear of what may come next. And one of them will yell back, Anton, end your spell, they yield. Can Jarzak see those people? I imagine he didn't let it run. I, I imagine you kind of saw the horror of it. I don't, I don't think he let it just go out for a full minute. <laughs> it's even scarier like... that it only lasted for like a second, just like and all of a sudden it just flash fry these guys. Maybe <laughs> um, like 15 yeah. seconds and be like, oh shit. Oops. <laughs> but Jarzak can still see those guys from the windows. Uh, from where you're standing, they're about 50 feet away. I'm not going to do the whole Pythagorean theorem thing, but yeah, hypotenuse. That's a little bit more than 50. So Jarzak will move the rest of his 10 up and just point at them and then teleport the 30 closer. <laughs> As a bonus action. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you at that point. You'll be standing on the uh what's it called? It's uh one of those um balconies for the front. It's kind of like how like some buildings have like those big giant rectangular balconies sitting in front of the building that runs like the full length of it. It's almost like a farmer's porch 
but for the second story. And it connects a few of the uh, doorways and rooms on the top floor to the outside here. So you're able to pop up just outside the window where one of them's aiming a crossbow. You think it's going to be smart to shoot me again? That's my turn. I can't do anything else. (laughs) So with that, he reloads and shoots again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So now it's going to go to the top of the initiative uh, with the bandits. Um, Again, the bandits in front of you, Jarzak, the ones right there in the window, they cower in fear and begin to hold their hands up, dropping their weapons to the ground. And they look dirty. They don't look very clean, and they don't look like they've done some nice things in this place. Even from where you're standing and looking through the window, you can see, again, the broken glass, the tattered fabrics, the beds that have been torn to shreds and whatnot. Um, And they stand there with their hands raised, saying, please, mercy, don't kill us. So what would Jarzak like to do? Uh, Well, Jarzak's last in initiative, right? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we're breaking the initiative, as these guys don't seem like they're going to fight back at any point, unless... Unless anybody else in the initiative order, I know Anton dismissed his spell. I didn't know if Norhill wanted to like try to do anything. I figure at this point we can jump into conversation. Uh, yeah, Norhill will yell out, "Come out, one by one, and we will accept your surrender, relinquish your weapons, and then release your prisoner." With that, the uh, three guys up top look at Jarzak and they say, "Is he going to kill us?" Can any of the party see me? And yes, them? They can see you very clearly Ugh. right in front of them. Yeah, Cleek is looking right at you. And Jarzak looks back, makes like direct eye t- contact with Cleeka to like get the okay to <laughs> execute these people. <laughs> Just, I don't, she's not giving me a signal. Cleeka shakes her head, Jarzak's like, <laughs> No, don't that let don't no, don't let them live. Got it. No, that's why she said out loud that yeah. Jarzak was not going to kill them. So with I that... just turned back to them. I'm like, guess it's your lucky day. I was definitely gonna kill you. So they definitely look uh upset to hear such things, but they go meandering down the uh, back stairway uh, with Jarzak following them to make sure there's no funny business. And again, the debauchery that you see in this building. There's even a few corpses that seem to have been like, uh, how do I want to say this? Like one of them has been sort of nailed to the wall with crossbow bolts. Uh, and looks like he died a very savage death with his hand comically paced in front of a dartboard. Um, and uh, let's just say they had some bad aim for the dartboard, but some very good aim for his forehead. Um, as you walk through this little den of debauchery, the whimpering of these three bandits that you seem to be carting back downstairs uh, is rather pathetic. But as you walk out the front door, the chilly wind of what used to be the wall of coldness there uh, gives you a bit of the chills as they walk out, stepping over the shattered and uh, now soon dethawing fragments of their accomplices as they walk back over to the pole where Norhill, Klika, and now I imagine Anton and Ashma are... Um, the uh, three men say, we, we we don't have the keys to, to open the gate on, uh, I mean, the, the, the door on the on the cage. He's he's the owner, and we, we it wasn't our idea to put him up there. You have to believe us. We'll get him down. And with that, they look up the pole and they say, we can't reach. Get creative. So you guys tried to stop the people from putting him in there? 
and one of the three men nods his head and he says, I said it was a bad idea. I said he didn't deserve it. He was a good man. I said they shouldn't do it at all. And the other two look at him like, what the fuck did you just say? And then that guy just keeps nodding at you guys vigorously saying, I told him it was a bad idea. Well, regardless of who I, of whose idea it was, I've asked you to get him down. So I suggest you get creative. That the three men look at each other as if now they're part of some sort of sick, twisted punishment, and then realizing you're not kidding, begin the long and arduous task of arguing with each other with weapons pointed at them as they grab piles of furniture and bring it out, stacking it uh, mountain of chair style uh, and leave it in front of the pole before one of them climbs up and says, it's bolted to the pole. We can't take it down. Norhill uh, sighs and climbs up the mountain of chairs. Uh, how strong does the bolt look? It doesn't look too strong. I imagine with a, a certain, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A feat of strength, you could probably pull it down. Norhill's going to crowbar it. Nice. So go ahead and roll me a strength check. Uh, just straight up strength. Yep. You can do it at advantage because you got the crowbar. Oh, right. That's going to be a 19 on the die for a 23. Nice. So you're able to pop it down, no problem. And with that, the cage falls off and lands on the pile of furniture. Now, judging by the lightweight nature of the cage, it doesn't seem enough to shatter through all the furniture or go tumbling down. You're able to catch it. Um, and again, the front door on this thing seems to be locked as well. Um, if you'd like to, you could try to crowbar this part off as well. Uh, the three men, as you go to do such a thing, crawl back down the pile, holding their hands up, and they say, All right, now we did what you wanted. Are you going to let us go or not? Well, first I suggest you bury your dead before you clear off back to wherever it is you came from. And again, they look to you guys with a very puzzled and sort of disgusted look, and he says, after this one, and points over at Anton and says, pulverized them? Listen, I know we're bandits, and I know we've done some bad things, but what do you expect us to do? Yes, Get 20 after... graves? Yes, after we pulverized your comrades, I expect you to bury them. This is the price of fighting a losing battle after you were warned. I mean, you could have three people digging, or you can have two. They start Star's doing just very pulls out Domero's luck. <laughs> and then they stop doing math and start looking for a digging implement. And they look around and they say, I they grab like a, a pick from one of the buildings and a couple of small broken bent shovels and start digging pathetically. Uh one of them beginning to cry as they do so. Uh Norhill got an 18 on the die for a 22 to burst open the lock. Yeah, you're able to pop that thing open. Inside, you see a very, very uh, dehydrated and very wounded-looking old man who, at one point in time, probably looked kind of handsome. Seemed like a nice, cheerful-looking, jolly guy. But he looks blistered and sunburned, and he does not look very well. So what would the party like to do now? I mean, probably get that guy down from the wall if no one has. And then... I guess just start cleaning up. Click doesn't really know what the hell we're supposed to be doing with all this shit. <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, the, the fucking people couldn't be left alone for 
10 minutes. Uh, then Norhill will grab a chair off the mountain of chairs and drag it over to the shade underneath the balcony and help the, the guy from the cage into it. Okay. And as you do so, he seems to have lost consciousness as you stand him upright. It seems like the weight of his own body upon his legs is too much, and he just starts teetering over, and you guys are able to catch him very easily, plopping him back down in the chair. He turns to uh, whoever's helping him at this point, and he says, Thank you kindly. I, where, who's staying here tonight, is it? I, and he just seems to be just spewing some nonsense. Uh, Norhill's gonna look over at Anton. Just give him a wink. Well, I was hoping <laughs> that the look would be an indication of like passing the ball over to the priest, but this uh, launches a fireball. <laughs> you gave me the look. Like, what do you mean you gave me the look? I said to heal him, and like um, you didn't say anything. I guess Norhill's gonna try everybody. To, uh, eyeball his wounds to get an idea of what he's dealing with. He seems like this is just a war of attrition. There's tons of bruises, scrapes, and, and everything, but it doesn't look like he um he's like gravely wounded or anything. He got his ass beat. He's exhausted. He's sunburned. All right. Uh, so yeah. So when Norhill looks over to Anton, he, he's gonna say, "I suppose you should have a look at it." Yeah. Anton uses the staff of healing to help both of them. His wounds uh, clear up very easily, but you can tell that his form of exhaustion is one that's going to take rest. Um, if you'd like to, you can roll a medicine check to be able to make sure or have a better idea. Sure. But with that, the rest of the party look over and see the three men as they look over and see you guys healing that poor old guy. Um, it's a good pause. Nice. So yeah, again, some water, a nice bit of like a wash for his skin, a bit of a little warm coolish bath something to just sort of clean him up and dress him he'll be fine in a couple of days much of the bruising will go down and he'll be fine by the end of the night if he just relaxes um but again watching the three guys over there digging they seem to take a break as they look over and see you guys with the uh the old man and one of them shouts out and says is he okay norhill shoe uh, looks over at them with the darkest disappointed dad look and say, he'll be fine in a couple of days. Which one of them asked if he was okay? Because Jarzak definitely would have been over with them to make sure they weren't doing anything they weren't supposed to. He was the guy who said it wasn't his plan all along. Okay, okay. I don't like that you're cataloging this information for some reason. I don't know what you're going to do with such an information, but, but with that, he looks over and sees Jarzak also staring at him, and he continues to dig. Um, digging any grave built uh big enough to bury that many bodies is going to take a very long time to do yep. um so my question is what is your plan out here with this uh level of uh digging uh soon as it's big enough for a few bodies jarzak's gonna probably just kill them but he's no. probably gonna spare the one who asked if he was okay it was gonna be all he gets three. To keep digging. <laughs> that guy gets to keep digging. <laughs> you dig by yourself. Here's a spoon. Um, does the rest of the party know that you're planning on killing them at your discretion? Probably not. They they pinned someone to a wall inside and we're playing darts with them. Like they're bad people. <laughs> Very well. So with this, uh Ashma comes over to the party 
And after seeing the guy's all right, she says, I know him. She says, I've traveled through here a few times, and I figured maybe Knowles would have done this sort of thing. But as she looks back at those three guys digging, she says, it's really a shame to see what people will do when they're pushed to such extremes. And then she looks at the old man as he's just laying there without looking at anybody in particular. And she says, I mean, at one point in time, this place was known as the Blissful Breeze. It was a, a nice tavern. And this guy's name, if I know him, is Jeffend. And he's a nice man, but I'm just glad he's going to make it through the night. And again, looks over at Anton and says, I don't know that I understand the excessive use of force that we had to use here, but I don't think scum like this can be saved. It's not about saving, I don't think. It's about doing right where others are willing to do wrong. We fought, they lost, and we accepted their surrender. But he has a point, Noel, that was that was wrong. I think um, I think we need to Ash- take some time for perspective. Ashma puts a hand on Anton's shoulder and says, I think while I understand where Norhill is coming from. I don't think that they could have been saved. I think that these were bad men, and given the opportunity, they would do bad again in order to get a few gold pieces more. And then she looks through the doors and sees the carnage inside, and she says, I think they enjoyed what they did to these people. I feel like that's not the sort of thing we can get out of somebody by sending them to prison. And then for a moment, she looks reflectively off in the distance and she says, I don't think there's any level of punishment that'll take that out of somebody. Oh, what the fuck? The effectiveness of a punishment relies on tarnishing the honor that a person holds dear. When somebody has no honor, then I suppose you're correct. No level of punishment can ever reach the deepest depths of their souls. That she just shakes her head and looks at some of the frozen, now thawing bodies on the ground. And she walks past you guys and starts attempting to heft some of them over to the pit. Yeah, Norhill yeah, Nor- will grab like a dirty sheet or something to help pull like several at a time out of the out of the common room. Jarsak's gonna take the soul of one of the guys he killed. I have some questions. I bet you do. Um, one thing that thought you could get away that easy too. by dying, did you? <laughs> I'm gonna torture you in the jar, just shake in the jar. Um, <laughs> can can you guys roll me a perception check real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, Norhill can roll three. He's too busy helping to clean the room. Just like a six. Pe- Everybody else, perception. Peep and die. Peep and die indeed. Three. Jesus. What'd you get? 15. I knew I could rely on you. So as Anton contemplating the decisions he has made in spells and in life, uh, you can see bumbling down the road are a couple of carriages that seem to have like lanterns hanging off the front of them. As the sun is now just about officially completely set, uh, being on such level terrain where you can see the sunset so well, um, it's pretty well lit out here still, but you can see the lantern light of the two carriages coming in this direction, pulled by what appear to be camels. The, uh, carriages themselves seem to have a small crew of people on them, and they seem to be headed towards the tavern. 
Um, oh. Is there a sign or anything for the tavern uh, that's been stored inside? Uh, no. Um, from what Ashma tells you, that pole used to have a giant flag on it that had the symbol for the tavern, but it seems that it was torn off at some point and probably burned. But it was only Anton who saw them in the distance. I may have company. Wait, what? No, he said we may have company. Okay. So as you pointed out, everybody else can also see in the distance a couple of carriages coming down this way with lanterns. Uh, Jarzak will ask the three guys digging, are those carriages with you? Or that they look out in the distance and they say, no, our whole gang was here before, well, that happened. That one guy chimes in again and he says, it didn't have to be this way. Uh, I guess Norhill is going to go stand by the door and wait and see what the carriages do. At this point, one of the three men immediately throws his shovel to the ground. And the one who is saying all this stuff about how it wasn't his idea starts waving his arms over his head and screams, help, help. Um, since Jarzak's right there with them, um, he's going to watch this play out. I love how Jarzak doesn't stop him. He's like, he does need some help. Somebody should help him dig this hole. <laughs> what we really need. <laughs> um, very well. So that the carriages come to a dead halt uh, a few hundred feet away from the camp. And it seems like they're just sitting there watching this. Uh, the one of the three men who is screaming help uh, looks back at Jarzak in a sense of disbelief that Jarzak hasn't tried to stop him and tries to make a run for it. Okay. Yeah, Jarzak's gonna teleport to him and not let him run away. Imagine how frustrating that'd be. You'd think you've got like an opportunity to make a run for it and he just teleports in front of you <laughs> and just fucking clotheslines your ass to the ground. <laughs> Nothing personnel. Yeah, so I'll say that it immediately works. You teleport in front of him and stop him dead in his tracks and he screams out again. He's like, help me, help me! They're gonna kill us! Yeah, you better get back to digging and so with that the carriages uh seem to continue moving slowly but surely um and just start skittering off farther in the direction that you guys came from initially uh off into the darkness and they seem to be moving at like twice as fast as they were before uh what happened to the one guy who ran to the carriages for help uh jarzak caught him oh okay yeah he just teleported in front of him yeah, I'm not going to make him roll for anything. This guy's kind of half-heartedly trying to do anything at all. He sort of assumed he'd be dead anyway, so I don't think he was really thinking he was going to get out of there. All right. Uh, so if carriages are leaving. I guess it's not a big deal. So Norhill will go back inside and continue to help cleaning up. Okay. It's definitely hard to stomach what you guys see in here. Um, but spread in one of the master bedrooms at this place upon one of the beds is a pile of coins and loot. Um, it looks like the safe or the chest rather below the bar has been pulled out of a secret hideaway floorboard. It's been cracked open uh, itself with a crowbar, ironically enough. Um, and the bed upstairs seems to be where all the loot's been stored. Uh, it looks like somebody may have been sleeping on this pile of coins in a sort of cartoonish kind of fashion. Um, but amongst the coins are gemstones, as well as a few potions. Uh, is the safe still there? Uh, yes. 
again, it was I, I said safe, but I, I don't know why I'm thinking of like cowboy shit. But like, no, it was actually a chest. They've just busted the top open off of it. I guess Norhill's going to do his best to put everything back in the chest. Okay. And what you notice is that not everything fits in there, and it definitely seems like there's been a lot of stuff that's all sort of amounted to uh, this pile, and it seems like a good bit of it must have come from there, but it doesn't seem like all of it could have. Uh, does the room block? No. It could, but it wasn't. Uh, th- not the not the room itself, not the chest. Yeah, the room itself could be locked, but it's not. Okay. Like, there's a lock latch on the door. All right, uh, Norhill's going to leave the chest in the room and try to lock the room. So okay. that uh, nobody from our party can get inside. Okay, so basically you bring the chest upstairs to where the loot has been stored, and you lock the door behind it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the idea okay. is that you know, Nor- Norhill will say, like, I found a bunch of coin. I organized it, put it away. I think we should leave it for the proprietor once he's well enough. And so the uh, hours of night uh, commence here. Uh, the stars overhead being bright and glowing. Uh, it is a rather beautiful sight to see out here out in the plains and in the warmth, the sounds of all the crickets and all the bugs and all the animals sort of singing the nighttime song of the late summer out here in the prairie. It's pretty remarkable it's rather nice rather uh comforting but the lantern light that you guys have scrounged up for the men who are still digging the hole together uh it seems like they've made quite a headway on the digging and it seems like a couple of them have tried bargaining more with jarzak basically saying if you're gonna kill us just kill us now i don't i don't know if i'm gonna kill you i do i did i get that soul that i can ask questions yeah you definitely did from one of the uh, one of the corpses there. Okay, uh, Jarzak will take out the soul cage and just wakey wakey. <laughs> do you do this in front of everybody else in the party? I mean, I'm out watching these guys to make sure they don't run. So, okay, if anyone else is there, yeah, that's fine. But would anybody else be out there? Mm, uh, once we're done cleaning up. Uh, the inside of the inn, Norhill will probably, you know, come and go to give you a hand. Okay. I imagine with the counting, the organizing, the cleaning, you probably would be pretty well preoccupied until it's time for bed. Would Klika or Anton go visit? Klika was probably going to be pretty preoccupied with clean, like deep cleaning and repairing as much as she could. That's so sad. Yeah. And what did you say, Ronnie? Anton will visit. Okay. So I'm sure there's a couple points where Anton sees Jarzak out there communing with the soul in the jar. Uh, Klika using mending is going to be nice to be able to fix pretty much every single bottle. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these ones have lost all their booze and everything like that at the tavern, so it seems like you won't save much of that. Most of the furniture and the tapestries and stuff can be saved, but unfortunately, they were right about that flag. The flag must have been burned. And so it's going to be impossible to have anything you can put up on that post again. But most of the windows and everything like that can be repaired. It's just going to take so many actions over so many hours that by about like one in the morning when Norhill's done cleaning and you're done cleaning, the place looks mildly presentable. It just looks pretty well vacant of any booze, any food, and well, any guests. Except for us. 
Yes, again. Um, so what's Jarzak gonna do with Mr. Wakey Wakey Eggs and Bakey? Uh Jarzak is gonna be like, hey, did these three participate in the human dartboard? <laughs> I love how that's how we're um uh and so you cast the spell, the uh soul cage or whatever? Yeah. Okay. So my cryptic answer I'm allowed to give, right? Uh he says we all enjoyed the fruits of our hunt and our spoils, and we enjoyed quite the raucous time. It says they must answer truthfully and to the best of its ability. But, so yeah, this everybody. doesn't like raise the dead. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm reading it to clarify too, oh, it, but and yeah. might be cryptic, yeah. But yeah, so it's cryptic. Yeah, see, so I'm good. He told yeah, it you throw, they all it throws it. it in there, but well, that wasn't very useful. And Jarzak's gonna, uh, he'll just use the rest of the soul to heal himself. He'll slurp it. <laughs> I mean, it definitely sounded like more of a yes than a no. Yeah, no, yeah, Jarzak got that. Okay, good. I'm just making sure we're on the same page. It's cryptic, but it's not that cryptic. Um, For Jarzak, that's like that's. That's some sort of like, I don't know, calculus puzzle, and he doesn't even know how to add. So, <laughs> yeah, but hold on though. Jarzak solved puzzles before. Remember in House Cabellum at Era's Crypt when you solved that puzzle with all the people needing water? Jarzak's actually a puzzle master. People just look thirsty. <laughs> right now, and water's for like... everybody. Because <laughs> he's he was born a king, he knew the answer. Um, Okay. <laughs> so hearing that answer, Anton comes outside at one point and sees Jarzak standing over the men, digging, looking menacing. <laughs> and goes back so, to what he's doing. Okay. So in that case, Ashma is going to stay outside with Jarzak and starts to question Jarzak standing there and says, so are you planning on killing these hopeless people? Well, I'll just say you might not want to be around here. How would that she says, I figure the other ones might not understand, but you look like you've got some uh, years behind you. Mistaking Jarzak's unfortunate appearance for just a <laughs> lifetime of hard pain and crime. And like, Jarzak was being the still second there, but youngest in the group. <laughs> he's just been, yeah. But she says, I've lived a rather tough life myself, and if I hadn't escaped my own prison sentence, I probably would be locked up until I was, well... Maybe digging my own grave. And she looks down at those three who look at her for a moment. And she says, the difference between me and people like them is I didn't do anything wrong. And the princess thought I did again. something wrong, but I didn't do anything wrong. These guys playing darts with a person. They've done something wrong and they deserve their punishment. I don't think they can come back from this. I was thinking the same thing. But if you don't want to be here for this, I understand. And with that, she says, whatever you need to do, she says, but if you need me, I'm more than willing to help dole out justice on those who deserve it. I mean, if you want to take the one lying, trying to get out of this, and I'll take the other two, that's fine. We'll go on three. She looks... Oh, Jesus Christ. So she looks back at you and she says, do you often disagree with those ones inside there? Mm, 
Not often. She says, again, I don't know very much about you or any of them, but it seems to me like those who have the time of day to be philosophical and to make these grand sweeping claims about punishment and justice haven't lived a very difficult life like we have. And she says as she looks back at them in the pit and then looks back at the tavern and sees everybody there, she says, do you think the old man Jeffend would want these people to be able to walk freely again if they said sorry? <laughs> nah. I might come back with more people and do this again to him. Next time he'd probably die. Perhaps. But hopefully people like you will be out here to help him out. Point is, maybe we send a message to him that we don't tolerate that kind of thing. People who go to prison get out of prison, then they go right on back into it. I think it's safe to say these kinds of people aren't going to learn anything. They're just going to learn how to lie better. And that right, and she looks down at the guy who kept saying he was innocent. She <laughs> says he'd be willing to say anything to you in order to get out of here. Yeah. You know what? Hey, Jarzak will call down to him. Hey, you. So you're saying you, you weren't involved. You told him no? He drops his pick to the ground again, and he puts his hands to his face, and he says, Listen, I promise. You, you cl- I... Climb, on, climb on out of there. Come up here and talk to us. <laughs> so you help him. And he looks to you, and he brushes himself off, and he apologizes for getting your hand dirty, but then realizes it's the fucking gauntlet and gets scared. But then he <laughs> looks to you again, and he says, I, I told him it was a bad idea. I said, we never should have done. Sure, take the booze, take the money, whatever. Have a little bit of fun, but... They just kept going. They just kept having fun with it. Yeah, they I, went too far. Yeah, yeah, they're too far. Right. But what I wouldn't do that. No, I didn't even shoot at you guys. Okay. Well, that's good enough for me. You, you're good to go. So with that, he just kind of looks to you, and he looks back at those two in the pit. And then as he looks at the ones in the pit, he looks back at you, and he says, Is this some kind of trick? Of course it is. And then Jarzak teleports into the pit to take out the two in the pit. Okay. Okay. So, and, uh, I mean, it, they're they're going to be taking flat-footed on this because they sure as fuck had no idea. They're busy shoveling. They're sweating and dirty. And they're like, this sucks. And then you teleport into the pit to clobber them mid <laughs> the shovel. Um, Wait, are you using so Domro's say- luck? <laughs> All right, roll me those two d20s, and you get advantage on both. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I w- was going to use Dolmar's luck. I don't think the long sword should be used for this. No, this is not an honorable death. This is a Lowell's death. A crit. There it is. <laughs> Excellent. On the first roll. Well, finish off the rest how of far, How far are we from Jarzak? Just like... In case a nuke goes off. Good 50 feet. So, yeah, you guys are good. Well, I imagine you're, again, triangulation, about 80 or so feet. 23 on the other one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. And the damage at minimum is going to be enough to wound these guys after everything they've been through. Uh, Ashma, at the same time that you did that, you can see for a moment before the random effect goes off, which, go ahead and roll me that D10,000, because... How often do we get to say that? Um, you can see a crackling of lightning for a second as she shocks the third guy who said he wasn't involved and kills him instantly. 
It'd be even funnier if somehow you managed to kill Ashma hmm. and she just fucking Oh god. So what'd you get? Um gotta gotta enter into the calculator. Okay, roll the dice. Eight thousand one hundred and fourteen. Eight thousand one hundred and fourteen. All right. Again, prayers that we don't have. Oh. Oh no. Oh yes. Okay. That's incredibly specific, but hilariously input. Okay. So as you do so, you feel a strange reverberation. But everything stays quiet out here on the prairie as you knock the guy in the head and he falls to the ground with a thud, bleeding to death at the bottom of the pit, gagging on his own blood. And as you stand there with Ashma and the smell of burning cooked flesh from the crackling lightning, she shoves the guy in the pit next to you with a thud. And she says, I know I could trust somebody like you. Seems like you and I have the right mentality. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta handle it yourselves. Wait, so what happened? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Alright. That's, that's future Jarzak's problem. <laughs> it sure fucking is. This is so hilariously cryptic that of course you would get... It was 8,114, right? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, get ready for that. You guys are going to have a fun rest of this quest. So... At okay. the end of this, can I have the list of the 10,000? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you sure can. Thanks. Um, well, that's definitely going to be interesting. So, yeah, okay. Somewhere in the distance, you hear the snickering of a fox, dog, jackal. Um, <laughs> good. Oh, good lord. Well, that's not going to have implications. That's so weird. I know I'm going to keep rambling about this, but, like, you have no fucking clue how strangely specific that was and how tailor-made that is for literally this very stretch of adventure. I, I, you know, good job, Jarzak. I'm glad you hit that guy with a crit. So, okay. Too. Uh, Ashma and you begin tossing more of the bodies into the pit. Um, and at one point, Anton comes outside and sees there's nobody else digging, and instead, uh, bodies are being dropped into the pit. Is this strange uh, to Anton? I mean, wasn't the intention to, to gather the bodies and bury them? Yeah, but those three guys are now gone, too. Oh. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'll head over. Okay. So, as Anton approaches... Um, you can see Ashma and Jarzak just tossing more of the 20 bodies into the pit. Yeah, it's just laments that apologize that they give it, that they took on such a jury task, but then he kind of looks a little puzzled. He's like, weren't there other prisoners still alive? Well, not prisoners, but bandits. Um, and with that, Ashma just gives a nod to Jarzak to answer the question. I mean, yeah, they. Then, then they tried to run again. Are you lying to Anton? Yeah, oh, I gotta yeah. charge up my glove from the last time I used it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. All right, Ronnie, can you roll me an insight versus Jarzak's deception? I'm sure you've got a great chance. Ah, uh, twenty, not a crit. 
I'm so glad it was not a crit because I'm like, well, I got a 25, but if you crit. <laughs> okay, so seems to be a satisfactory enough story. And with that, Ashma gives you a nod and a smile. And she turns to Anton and says, would you like to say a prayer for these that have fallen? I don't know. That was cold as shit. Jesus Christ, that was the <laughs> coldest fucking thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a cold goddamn night on the prairie Anton's like nah I don't think I will gave them a terrible death but they've also seemed to have lived terrible lives what good is a prayer going to do for terrible people she just sort of nods in agreement Mm. (laughs) okay I think we need to get rid of Ashma. She's doing some bad things to this party, and I don't like it. But with that, inside the house, you guys... Or Star Breeze. They brought a nice energy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. So within the the, tavern, you can hear Jeffen begin to murmur in his sleep and try to talk, and you can hear him get up from his seat and start walking around. Sorry, who got up and started walking around? Jeffend, the uh, innkeeper who was uh, trapped up in the cage. Okay, uh, Norhill will just keep an eye for him to make sure he doesn't hurt himself. Okay. So he looks around at the bar and he's in disbelief and starting to put his hand over his mouth, looking at the bar and seeing all the bottles that have been restored and all the furniture and everything. And he turns back and looks at Klika and he says, "You, Who are you? Uh, hi, I'm Klika. He says, what are you doing here? Cleaning, mostly. And he looks around, sees his own blistered and pained hands here, and he looks back at you and he says, Did you see them? The, uh... Are they, are they still here? No. No, all those people who put you in that cage are gone. Well, yeah. most of them. And with that, he looks around confused and he sees the uh, missing chest behind the bar and he looks back at you and he gives a look and he says, did they get away with my money? Oh, no, I think Norhill found that. Oh, that's all been put away upstairs. And I made sure to secure and lock the door so that no one could touch it before you awoke. So he looks... Again, very puzzled at a dwarf walking down the stairs and a goblin cleaning his kitchen. And he looks around. At this point, uh, Norhill's dressed like, you know, in his robe (laughs) and wombat slippers. (laughs) I just like that the wombat slippers are canon. You know, that that to me is the real highlight of this campaign is combat wombats and the square poops. Um, But, you know, the rest is just filler. But with that, he gives a sort of a a curious nod to you both, and he says, I thank you for protecting my my business. Are, are my neighbors okay? And he looks out the window for a minute and sees just the darkness of night, and he looks and he sees a couple of lanterns within the, uh, the little pit in the front yard there, and he says, Oh my, I don't imagine any of them are still here, are they? A few of the men who attacked you, uh, survived our defense of your establishment. They are being punished accordingly. He and says, no, my, my neighbors, 
the ones who lived here, the good we people of this place. Else. And with that, he looks back to you with a pained expression, and he turns his face in a very sad, sad old man crying kind of way, and he just kind of quivers his lip a little bit, and he clenches his fist and slams it down on the bar top, and he just says, how dare they? Sorry that the people you were are looking for are gone. Um, but hopefully no one else will have to join them now. You wrote me a persuasion? How about a three? I mean, I'll give you advantage on it, because you guys have cleaned this place, and he seems to be in a safe position. Just for the love of God, get above a three. How about a seven? I more than double uh, it. Okay. So with that, he just kind of shakes his head back and forth, and he says... You don't understand. He says, there's always bandits, but these ones, these ones felt different. He says, the malice, the pain, the pain they caused us. I just hope that my neighbors, and he quivers a little bit, and he says, the children, I just hope, I hope they got away. I hope. And he just kind of shakes his head, and he puts his head down on the bar and begins to weep deeply. At this point, putting the bodies into the uh, the pit out there, Anton, Jarzak, and Ashma seem to be done with what they were doing and able to push much of the dirt back over the uh, grave, covering up the rest of the bodies and making a heaping mound, coming back in and seeing the old man crying upon the bar. So, at this point, what would you guys like to do? Click it might just start crying. <laughs> just everybody else starts crying too. Yeah. It's been a long, long quest. When we walked in, did did we catch what he was saying, or no? Were we late to that? No, I'd imagine uh, Norhill and Klika are kind of letting him have a moment to cry to himself, and in that moment, you guys came in. Yeah, I mean, Jerzak's not going to interrupt a crying old dude. He's all set. See, that would be too much for Jarzak. Yep. Hey, gotta let him grieve. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Norhill will turn to Jarzak and Ashma as they enter and say, I take it everything has been handled appropriately? Yep. She nods. Ashma turns to the rest of the party and says, maybe we can just head to bed and give him his space. Agreed. We've done all we can for now. Very well. So... Is anybody going to stay up for watches or anything like that? Or are we all just going to hit the hay? Jarzak will stay up for a watch. Judging by everything we've been through tonight, Norhill's probably going to go to bed. Uh, What's the average price uh, per night to stay at an inn like this? I mean, one like this on the road that's so isolated, but also offers the amenities that it does, it would probably be something closer to a gold piece for drinks, food, and the bed. But... Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Norhill will give six gold pieces. Okay, uh, he'll leave six gold pieces like on the counter by the old man. That's so sad. He's just laying there in a heap. You can just plop six gold pieces next to him. Just give him a quick little pat on the back. <laughs> and you're like going to bed, and your little squeaky old man the slippers made out of one bad fur. <laughs> okay. And so with that, the uh, party are able to 
sleep with a short watch provided by Jarzak and Ashma. Um, the night seems to pass pretty easily, and the sunrise is beautiful, but it's immediately warm. Um, in the morning, you can tell that a couple of carriages have already pulled up pretty early in the day, um, and nobody's prepared anything downstairs. The old man seems to be asleep at the bar, um, and people out front in carriages seem to be prepping their horses over at the stall um, and seem to be unloading carriages with boxes of goods and wares as if coming here to set up for trading or setting up here to spend some time to themselves to rest. Um, but as you guys come downstairs and realize there's no food prepared for you, what would you like to do? Just uh, ration up and get ready to head out ourselves. Okay. And as the uh, party begin to head out um, and walking outside, um, there's a moment there where one of the men of the caravan, who actually appears to be a hobgoblin himself, um, stops dead in his tracks and points to the party and begins to say something in a hushed tone to the other gentlemen who are unloading the crates from the back of the carriage. So what would you guys like to do now? Uh, continue on our... We're heading out to travel routine. Okay. Like, these people aren't here to bother us, then. Nor Norhill doesn't see a reason to do anything. Very well. So, um, in that case, if everybody else is cool with it, the party leave the small settlement here and continue on the road heading south towards Greymarsh. Um, the prairie itself um, becomes inundated with the the uh, aqueous system that is the River Lee. And as you guys spend the next half of the day, the second half rather, um, you can tell that the river seems to have, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it seems to have like soaked well into the the very uh, fertile grounds here of the prairie. And instead of being so low-lying and dusty, instead it becomes rather swampy and uh, becoming fertile lands like this, uh, much of the grass and shrubbery seems to have grown pretty amply. Uh, it's pretty rough little wetlands to be traveling through, but the road itself seems to be well-trodden enough, and having passed a couple more carriages along the way, the party seemed to have entered what could be described as the outskirts of Grey Marsh by just about nightfall, um, passing a few uh, thickets of forest along the way, but this just seems to be low rolling bogs. Um, plenty of low-lying plants, low-lying trees and whatnot. Everything seems to be kind of slithering about, you know? And so upon the point that you guys are wheeling into Grey Marsh, you can tell that this community itself seems to be a group of like small clusters of buildings with one larger cluster towards the center. Um, as the uh, party make their way in uh, through the outskirts of town, uh, the party can see that at the edge are a group of men that seem to be wearing armor and armed with spears uh, standing outside of what appears to be sort of like a main entrance on this road into the town of Greymarsh. So as the party are entering this way, the men stop them immediately and say, Halt! There's a toll to enter Greymarsh. What is your business here? Passing through on the way to Shock Lee. Well, that they give you sort of a sour look, and one of them says, The toll is two gold pieces per person. How about what? Pay the ten unquestionably. <laughs> What'd you say? Anthony, what did you say? Uh, I definitely heard Clica, but I don't <laughs> Norho will pay the ten without question. Come okay. on. So you that... don't want to haggle for at least 10 more minutes here for over two gold? 
No, we were <laughs> told we we were told that it is a very good idea uh, to follow the laws and be humble in this land. So that's exactly what Norhill is going to do. Whatever. Very well. So, as the uh, party make their way into the town, uh, it seems very likely that you guys would be able to um, stop by at the local tavern. Uh, Ashma is able to lead you guys over there, and it's a rather large establishment known as the Gnarled Oak. Uh, as the party set up their uh, their uh, group of horses and chalt um, to be a uh, what's the word I'm looking for stabled. stabled? Yeah. Um, okay. The uh, party enter the tavern and see what could only be described as a circle of participants watching somebody in the center. Uh, raving like a lunatic. Um, there's a woman who seems to be finely dressed and everybody in attendance watching her as she sort of dances around frantically, stomping and staring and making strange, exaggerated faces in the center here. Everybody in attendance just looks so mortified and disgusted and confused by this performance that finally, after about 10 seconds of her screaming, he's in my dreams, I see him in my dreams, the murderer must be killed. Finally, a group of men rush up to her, grab her by her shoulders and try to like scuff her out of the place and people begin to shout out and somebody yells out to her and they say, this is no way to run a town like this. And with that, somebody else yells out, It's a shame! She's gone mad! She's been drinking the water of the swamp, smoking those herbs again! And with that, mm -hmm. somebody says, To have lost a fenferrer like that, I can't believe Elaine would stoop so low. And as the party stand there at the precipice of the door, watching this woman being dragged out, she herself has like yellow ringed eyes and looks like she's in a weird state of disrepair. But as she comes meandering out the door, bucking and kicking her legs, she stops dead in her tracks, digging her heels in the best she can and fighting these men's grip as she locks eyes with Jarzak for just a moment and says, it's you. I have seen you in my dreams, murderer. <laughs> Kill this man. Kill him now. And that is where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.